0: Well, good morning to each one, and greetings in Jesus' name. This trade that I made with Vernon was happened this past week, about midweek. Normally, I like a little more time to thank and prepare for a message than just three days. But uh, what I did, I actually pulled out something from some years ago and reworked that. But this morning, I'd like to preach about the blessing of friendship, and the first part of my message is geared towards the children, and um, I don't know if we have enough room up here or not. So, you all can just stay right where you're at. But the first part of this message is geared for the children. The Bible says a lot about friends and friendship. Last weekend at the church campout. I enjoyed watching you children having a good time together. You children probably don't realize it, but you are making friendships now that will be part of of your life. Just, yes, you're making friendships that will follow you throughout life. I think back to some of my first friends from years ago when I was just you know, first grade or even before first grade. And some of those friends I haven't seen in years, but I can still remember their birth dates. And, you know, I struggle remembering my own children's birthdates. But when I think back to my first friends, their birth dates just, they're still very clear in my mind. And so you are making friendships now at a very young age that will follow you through life. I'm going to read a story from the Bible about a sick man that had four good friends. And this story will help us understand how a good friendship works. And so I invite you to Mark chapter 2, and I will be reading verse 1 through verse 12. Mark 2 verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was learned that he was in the house. Immediately, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was laying. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins be forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. It immediately he arose and took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Now in this story, we see three kinds of friends. We have the helpless man, a man that was so sick That he could not walk. We believe that he was more than likely paralyzed. The helping friends is the next group of friends that we see, and they are the four men that carried the sick man to Jesus. And then we have the healing friend, who is Jesus. Let's talk about these friends. The helpless friend was a sick man, he was paralyzed. He was unable to help himself. More than likely, he could not um, move himself from one place to the other. He probably needed help to move around. He may have needed help to bathe. He probably needed help to have his food cooked. Maybe he could eat himself. We don't really know. But the man was in a bad condition. And then we have the, the helping friends. The four friends who wanted to help their paralyzed friend. These four men had heard about Jesus. They heard about how he was healing the sick folks, and together they got thinking, if we could get our sick friend to Jesus, maybe Jesus could heal him. Well, one day the men heard that Jesus was close by, and they got to thinking. You know what? This might be our chance to get our friend to Jesus. So the four friends, they got their heads together and decided to make a bed and carry their friend to Jesus. Each man, each man took a corner of the bed and lifted it up and they start walking to the house where Jesus was teaching. They had to work together. Each man had to hold up his corner. If one of the four men would have decided not to hold up his corner of the bed, what would have happened? What if one of the men said, I don't feel like helping anymore. My arms are getting tired? What would have happened? It wouldn't have worked. They wouldn't have been able to get to Jesus. Each man had to do his part. The four men together were totally focused on the need of the sick friend, and they were able to to get their friend to Jesus. And so it is in our friendships. Each friend needs to do his part. We each must hold up the corner of our friendship. We need to do to our friends what we would have them do to us. If we want our friends to be kind to us, then we need to be kind to our friends. If we want birthday gifts from our friends on our birthdays, then we need to give birthday gifts to our friends on their birthdays. If we want our friends to say nice things about us, then we need to say nice things about our friends. We need to hold up the corner of our friendship. The Bible says in Proverbs that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Well, the four men finally get to the place where Jesus was preaching. Guess what happens now? You heard it in the story. The house is so full that they can't get in. Did they complain? Do they turn around and go back home? Do they say, we went to all this work. We went to all this Labor and, and carrying our friend, and now we can't get in. No, they stayed focused. They thought there must be another way to get into the house. So, what do they do? They look up at the roof, and someone suggests, Hey, let's take the roof apart and let our friend down through the roof to where Jesus is teaching. You know, sometimes we face problems in our friendships what should we do should we give up should we not be friends anymore if we face a problem with one of our friends what should we do what we need to do is do just like these four men we need to stop we need to think there must be another way there must be a way to solve this problem sometimes we must work hard to be a good friend. Well, let's talk a little bit about the healing friend, Jesus. I believe Jesus was pleased how the four friends have worked together. I believe he was pleased that they did not give up. And you know, Jesus is pleased when we work hard to be a good friend. What did Jesus do for the sick man? He forgave his sins. He healed him. He told him to pick up his bed and walk. Do you think, children, that this sick man was happy? I believe he was. I'm sure he was glad to be able to walk again. Think how good the four friends must have felt. I believe they were just as happy. I'm sure they were glad that they went to all the work to all the effort to carry their friend to Jesus, to take the roof apart. But you know, their work wasn't finished yet. Someone had to get back up on the roof and repair it. Have you ever thought about that? So, so it is in friendships. This morning, I want to encourage you children to be good friends to your friends. If you want to have good friends, Remember, you must hold up the corner of your friendship and never give up if you run into trouble. Stay focused on keeping that friendship good and alive. The the Bible says in Proverbs 17 that a friend loveth at all times. There's a short little poem that I like, and I want to share it with you children. It says, I went out to find a friend, but could not find one there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. My prayer for you children is that you would have good friends, and that you would be a good friend for your friends. God bless you children, and your friendships. Now, for part two, <laughs> I want to continue with the thought of the blessing of friendship, and I invite you to the book of First Samuel. For a few minutes, I want to consider the friendship between David and Jonathan. say that I enjoyed watching the adults have a good time last weekend as well. I certainly enjoyed my time and out at Camp Sela and enjoyed the fellowship. In a healthy Christian friendship, it is important that each friend brings something good into that friendship. As the story of David and Jonathan's friendship unfolds, we're going to be looking at that here for a few minutes, we see them both bringing good things into that friendship. I find it interesting how friendships come about. As a child or even as a youth, I had little choice in who my friends would be. You know, when I was I was born in Hagerstown, Maryland, and, and as a little fella, I finally got old enough to go to Sunday school, and, and then old enough to go to school, and there was my friends. It was just kind of handed to me. I didn't really have any choice in that. And then later, as I got older, when I was about 12 years old, my family moved to Amelia, Virginia, and there it is. There's... There's your friends. And so I became friends with like Merle and Ivan and, and now you understand. <laughs> but uh, friendships are, are something that in a way we have, especially when we're starting out in life, we have little choice in who that is. As we grow up and mature, Other circumstances in life will bring the opportunity for friendship. The circumstances that brought David and Jonathan's friendship about are quite unique. They did not grow up together as siblings or youth. As far as social status, they were at opposite ends. Jonathan was older than David. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. Heir of the throne of Israel, he was a trained warrior, a man of courage, strength, and determination. David was the, young, was the youngest son of a sheep farmer named Jesse. He was a young, inexperienced youth. Let's look briefly at the circumstances that formed this friendship If you're in 1 Samuel, you can turn to chapter 17, and we will begin by looking at a few verses here in the last part of 17, and then move into 18. In the end of chapter 17, the young shepherd boy David had just killed Israel's biggest and worst enemy, the giant Goliath. We're very familiar with that story. And so in verse 54, David with Goliath's head in hand is going into Jerusalem. Now, I thought about that. You may say, you know, that's, that's gross. David walking around with Goliath's head in hand. But Goliath's head was a trophy of war. And even guys today, (laughs) how many of y'all have deer heads hanging on your walls? You see, Goliath was an enemy of the Israelites, but he was also the enemy of God's people. It was a real trophy to have the head of Goliath in one's hands. And so that's the picture we have. David, he's headed to Jerusalem. He's carrying Goliath's head in his hand. Verse 55. And this is just a bit of history, and then we come back to the present again. But it says, When Saul saw saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, Inquire whose son this young man is. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Samuel said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now when he had finished speaking, chapter 18, when this, after they met, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the son of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants." And so you get the picture here, Saul meets David, they have this bit of a conversation, David tells him who he is, who his father is, and it seems like at that point, Saul, he claimed David for himself, he said, you're staying here with me, I'm going to use you in the kingdom. And so you see David going from that little shepherd boy out in the wilderness to living in the king's palace it's just it's an amazing uh situation here to, for i mean that that's just like two opposites and so it appears from verse 3 that Jonathan and David became good friends right away so i now want to point out four things that formed this lasting friendship Four things that I see as necessary ingredients to obtaining lifelong friendships that we see here in David and Jonathan. And the very first ingredient that I see is the common faith between the two men. David and Jonathan's friendship was built on a common faith. Both of these men were committed believers in the Almighty God. If you're there in Samuel yet, look at, uh, go back to verse 37 of chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17, 37. Listen to these words that David spoke to Saul. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine and then look what he says to Goliath down in verse 45. David said to Goliath, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And now, if you're still there in 1 Samuel, turn back to verse uh, chapter 14, verse 6. Let's look at a few words of Jonathan. This is the situation where Jonathan and his armor, armor, uh, the man that bore his armor, his armor bearer, they attacked the garrison of the, the Philistines. And I think between uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they killed like 20-some men there on a half acre of land. We won't take the time to read That account. But listen to the words that Jonathan said to his to the young man who bore his armor in verse 6 of chapter 14. He said, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. And so you see the common faith that these two men. Had The common faith in God. A common faith in God will bring people to go out together of all ages, of all social statuses. I like the words of the song, when we all get together with the Lord. I will share those words with you. Now, when the rich and the poor get together with the Lord... Get together, get together with the Lord. They'll treat each other like sister and brother when they all get together with the Lord. Now when the weak and the strong get together with the Lord. Get together, get together with the Lord. The weak are no longer afraid of the stronger when they all get together with the Lord. Now when the tall and the small get together with the Lord. Get together, get together with the Lord. They'll soon realize they're all the same size when they all get together with the Lord. A common faith will bring people together, rich, poor, weak, strong, tall, small. A common faith is a foundation for building lasting friendships. It's also interesting to note that not only did David and Jonathan have a common faith, they also had a common enemy. They both hated the Philistines with a passion. Sometimes friendships are built on two people not liking the same person. Those friendships are shaky at best. However, David and Jonathan's friendship began over a common enemy being destroyed. The second ingredient for a lifelong friendship is common courage. Because of Jonathan and David's unshakable faith in God, both had incredible courage. Good friends will share similar qualities. I believe Jonathan and David saw many things in each other that they knew were true of themselves, qualities which are rare among men. Jonathan and David both had incredible courage when confronting danger. Jonathan, as a warrior, personally experienced the fear of going into battle. He knew the courage it takes to face an enemy David, as a shepherd, personally experienced protecting sheep from the mouth of the bear and the mouth of a lion. He knew the courage that it took to face a wild animal, probably with very primitive weapons. You see, both Jonathan and David brought mutual courage into their friendship. Today, we need courageous friends. We need to be a courageous friend. You know, fear is contagious. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where someone gets scared and next thing you know they got another person worked up and it just, after a while the whole group is trembling and shaking. But you know, courage does just the opposite of that. You have a group of people that are are concerned and, and scared and don't know how to what to do next and then you have someone that stands up and he's courageous and, and that can be contagious as well. We need friends in our lives who, like Joshua, say, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I encourage you to bring... Courage into your friendships. Your friends need it. You need it. The third ingredient for a lifelong friendship is common trust. Jonathan knew early on that David was a young man that could be trusted. Several times in chapter 18, we read that David behaved himself wisely, and the Lord was with him. As the story of David and Jonathan's friendship unfolds, trust, along with courage, is put to the test. Let's look at an example of that, if you're still there in 1 Samuel. Uh, Turn to chapter 19. I'd like to read 1 through 7. Samuel 19, verse 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you, then what I observe I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the father sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been good towards you. For he took his life in his hands, and killed the Philistine, and the Lord brought About a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against the innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as in times past. I don't know what you think, but I think to do what Jonathan did here would have taken incredible courage. I don't know how it was for you, but as a young man growing up, to go tell Dad that, Dad, you're wrong. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm not sure how that would have went exactly um it just and my children probably would say the same thing about me too so but uh yeah i mean to to go up to dad and say dad you you're you're wrong but Saul listened to his son i think that's a good example for us dads we don't always have it together we're not always right but he listened to Jonathan's words, and there was a time of peace. How long that period was, we really don't know. But you see, because David had proven himself a trustworthy individual, Jonathan could stand before his dad, the king, and speak highly of David. He knew David wouldn't let him down. You know, I had to wonder as I thought about this account here, and even other times as the story unfolds, did David ever have thoughts that Jonathan might change sides and agree with his father? Did he worry that one day Jonathan might say, you know, Dad, I I think you're right. The next time David and I are together, We'll get it all straight. But I don't think that ever happened. And I'll tell you why. This friendship between David and Jonathan was built on a common faith. It was built on a common courage, which led to a common trust. For us today... I'll share this. Beware of putting trust in friendships that lack a common faith and a common courage. They will let you down. The fourth ingredient that I see is common wisdom. Common wisdom. David and Jonathan's friendship was built upon the admiration for the wisdom each saw in the other. I believe they saw in each other wisdom that they both desired for themselves. David, in his times of running from King Saul, trusted in Jonathan for wisdom as well as direction. One example of that is found in chapter 23 of 1 Samuel. Let's uh, look at that account, just a few verses. 1 Samuel 23, 15 through 17. But here, David, he's running from Saul. That little time of peace is long over. And um, Saul's out to kill him. And David is hiding out in the wilderness of Ziph. I think that's how you say that. But verse 15, so David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan's then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, "Do not fear for the hand of Saul. My father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. The insights and wisdom of a friend is truly a blessing. I believe David's heart was encouraged with the insights of Solomon, I mean of Solomon, of Jonathan, Through the wisdom of Jonathan, David was encouraged to know that God was looking out for his safety. And also that God had a plan for his future. And I believe for us today, the insight and wisdom of friends can be a tremendous blessing. As I reflect back over life, I can think of different times where the insights of friends the insights of their wis their insights and wisdom kept me from making some foolish moves in life and i thought of one some years ago i had a idea for a business adventure and it was a business adventure that i thought would be good and would work and i called a friend of mine not so much to get his wisdom or insight but just to tell him about what i was up to and thinking about Well, he took upon himself to give me some wisdom and insight without me (laughs) asking for it. And not only did he throw water on my idea, he threw ice water on my idea. But you know, I look back, that really got me thinking, and um, I decided not to pursue that. And looking back, I just thank the Lord for that bucket of ice water that was thrown on that project. And then I can also tell you about times, too, where I've received insight and wisdom and, and um, decided it wasn't all that good of insight and wisdom and went my own way. And then I had to deal with that as well. So I won't share any personal stories there. But, <laughs> um, but yes, the insights and the wisdom that come from friends is a tremendous blessing. And I encourage you to bring that into your friendship. Sometimes you may even have to bring it in like my situation without it being asked for. I thought of a verse in Proverbs 27, verse 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. And I can say amen to that this morning. Well, in conclusion, I would say thank God for the blessing of friendship. And I trust the example of David and Jonathan's friendship will encourage us in our friendships today. As I said in the beginning, in a healthy Christian friendship, it is important that each friend brings something good into that friendship. You know, a friendship that lacks both individuals doing so is a tremendous amount of work. The faith, the courage, the trust, and the wisdom that bonded David and Jonathan's friendship are important for us in building lasting friendships today. So I want to encourage you with that this morning. God bless you in your friendships. God bless your friends. God bless you as you be a friend. We'll call for a closing song.